Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Another part of the story is I didn't know what leading worship was. I came from a church with a music minister that that stood up and did this with his hands. Yeah, we're on a podcast, so you can't see, but I'm doing the thing with my hands. And uh, and we did hymns, you know. And so I didn't know what worship music was. Leading worship was something that I wasn't familiar with. Anyway, Chris asked me to play for him one time. And at that hot hearts is where God really spoke to me and said, this is what I've been training you for. Like, this is, this is worship. This is what you're made to do. So, yeah, I, I told him I'd play for him for one time, and I played for him for 17 years. And the Chris that he's speaking of is Chris Tomlin. We're joined today by Jesse Reeves. He is a songwriter as well as a pastor. He also planted King's Porch in Austin with his wife after they were part of planting the Austin Stone Church in 2002 and Passion City Church in 2008. Today on Connections, he's going to share a little bit about his career, his ministry, and he'll also share about a new worship collective that he, together with King's Porch, has released called God is in This House. We're joined today by Jesse Reeves. He is a songwriter, a singer, worship artist, dad, father, you name it. He's got so many titles. He is an amazing man. You have an amazing career in music as well. You've spent 17 years leading worship and touring with Chris Tomlin, which is absolutely huge. Huge. You've also penned tons of songs that have made it international. Tell us a little bit about this career, where it all started, and how you even got into music to begin with. Oh, wow. That's a that's a big question. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's the answer is Jesus. That's literally the only thing that even makes sense. I was, I, I live in Texas, so hello, greater Canada. Um, I'm coming to you from Austin, Texas, and Pretty much when uh, when people have like that don't live here have like the stereotypical Texas like everybody rides a horse and lives on a ranch and all that stuff. I'm that guy. I'm actually <laughs> your stereotypical Texan. My dad is a rancher. I was raised on a ranch. I showed Angus cows. I I rode horses. Like that's I that's that was my life, and that's all I was gonna do. Um. And then when I was 15 years old, I got saved, September 23rd of 1990. I'll save you the math. That makes me 47 years old. Um, I prayed on September 23rd of 1990, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I want to do that. I didn't pray. I want to be a songwriter. I didn't pray. I want to tour. I didn't pray. In fact, at that point, I don't even know if I played. No, I didn't even play music. So none of that was my prayer. I was just like, yes, Lord, whatever you want me to do. And my life just took the strangest journey. I I started playing in a Christian band, learned learned how to the first song I learned how to play on the bass was Welcome to the Jungle for crying out loud. Like I didn't I didn't know what I was doing. And uh yeah, started playing in a band in high school, Christian rock band. Um, we ended up signing a record contract and went to Nashville and like made a record. We were called between thieves. Um, I know, right. We sold dozens and dozens of records. So, you know, big international (laughs) sensation. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, 
did that all the way through college, uh, graduated from college, met my wife and we got married in, uh, August. I mean, in July of 1997. And when we got married, she was like, you have to get a real job. You can't, you know, make it on what you're making with between thieves. So I said, okay, quit playing music, swore it off, got married in July. And in August, I got a call from this country boy in Grand Saline, Texas, named Chris Tomlin. And he asked me if I'd play bass for him. And I was like, I can't, bro. I just got married and my my musical career is over. And he said, uh, he goes, well, can you play for me this weekend? And he was doing a conference in East Texas called Hot Hearts. <laughs> if, the, if anybody's <laughs> ever heard of that, that was like way back in the day. Um, a Hot Hearts thing. And he he was leading worship. Okay. Another part of the story is I didn't know what leading worship was. I came from a church with a music minister that that stood up and did this with his hands. We're on a podcast, so you can't see, but I'm doing the thing with yes. my hands. And uh, and we did hymns, you know, and so I didn't know what worship music was. In my defense, though, this was 1997. There wasn't worship music, really. You know, there was the early Vineyard stuff, early Maranatha stuff, which is awesome. But leading worship was something that I wasn't familiar with. Anyway, Chris asked me to play for him one time. And at that hot hearts is where God really spoke to me and said, this is what I've been training you for. Like, this is, this is worship. This is what you're made to do. So yeah, I, I told him I played for him for one time and I played for him for 17 years. Wow. What was that like to go from that stereotypical Texan to being up on stage with Chris Tomlin and God just guiding you because he obviously had this amazing plan. What was that? What was that whole experience like? It, it, well, it's kind of like watching your kids grow. You know, when you see them every day, you don't realize it. And then you see a picture of them and you're like, Oh my goodness, they've <sighs> grown so much. When you're in it, you don't realize it because like when we first started out, all we cared about, was the church and writing songs for the church. And then during the summer, we would do summer camps, you know, and it was just, we were just trying to write songs that, you know, writing songs that our church could sing. And in 2000, you know, we, we had written several songs. The first song I ever wrote with Chris was a song called kindness. And I still love that song actually, but um, in 2000, we wrote a little song called How Great Is Our God. And literally, y'all, we wrote that for a for a summer camp, for a youth camp. Because we were just like, let's, you know, we need a, like a simple song that people can grab onto. Never could you imagine what God was going to do that song. You know, it, it wasn't like, hey, let's sit down and write a song that's going to go around the world. No, it was like, hey, we we need a song so that these kids don't hate us, you know, <laughs> like something <laughs> simple that they can grab onto, and and really that song, you know, that was three years into playing for Chris, 
that song, I spent the next 14 years with him chasing, chasing that song around the world. You know, that's, that's really what opened the door is, I mean, Chris obviously had songs before that we fall down. He wrote by himself and it's an amazing song, but yeah, how great is our God is kind of what kind of, we went from just leading that Woodlands United Methodist church and Texas to, you know, chasing it around the world. Well, it's a great song. I, I think any of our listeners are going to immediately know that song. I had it in my head the second I read the title. <laughs> so good job. Um, changing pace a little bit. You are also a well-known church planter. You've planted churches in the past two decades. What led you down that path? Uh, it's the same prayer. It's whatever you want me to do. Um, my wife and I are also what you would call slow learners. You know, after you plant one church, I don't know if y'all have ever been a part of a church plant, you swear you will never do that again. <laughs> it's just the hardest, you know, it's it everything, the setup, the teardown, the the messiness, the it, it's just really exhausting. So you do it and you're like, we will never do this again. And then, you know, in, in 2002, we started a church in Austin Stone. Um, in Austin, Texas called the Austin stone, which is huge now. I mean, six or seven campuses, thousands and thousands of people. And we're like, ah, oh, never doing that again. And then in 2013, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia to help start passion city church. And, you know, that's early days of church. You know, you're doing kids ministry and set up and tear down. And we did that for five years in 2013 that's when I kind of pulled the ripcord on everything was like, I, I have four kids as well. So I was like, I, I need to be a daddy. I can't be gone 200 years, 200 days a year, pulled the ripcord, landed back in Austin. And we're like, we're never going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, here we are. Now we've in Austin, we're doing house churches. We're doing house church multiplication that just, we multiply every year. So um, we're at, we're about to start our eighth one in Austin. So yeah, I, we're real slow learners, but it's just because Jesus keeps asking us to do things and we're like, okay. So. I love that. Um, I have to say really quick, I'm part of a house church. Uh, that church was birthed just before the pandemic and our family just loves it. So for you like this, you've planted these churches, they became big. You planted this other church, it became big. Now you're doing these house churches. What do you love about that? Oh, I, I tell people all the time, I don't know if I can go back to real church. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I say that jokingly because I believe house church is real church. I, I, y'all, I have to be so careful when I talk about this because I believe in the church and I don't want to be like the house church guy. The house church is what God has called me and my wife to do right now, but I still believe in passion city and I still believe in the Austin stone. You know what I mean? God is so good that he uses all of it, right? That that's where I want that to be the baseline of the conversation is he uses all of it. Short version of the story is my wife came to me in 2017 and she said, Jesus told me something and you're not going to like it. And I was like, what? Uh, 
side note is my wife is like a way better human than me. She, she like, she's super dialed in and listen and can hear from God more than me. I think that's a lot. Usually that happens with women more than men. I don't know what that is biblically, but women hear the voice of God more than men has been my experience for anybody that just got mad that I said that that's my personal experience. Um, she came to me in 2017 and she said, Jesus told me something. You're not going to like it. It's like, okay, what's that? She said, he told me that you, you're going to have to quit going to church for one year. I was like, babe, like what? That doesn't make any sense. She said, no. She said, I was praying this morning and he told me that you have been paid to be a Christian since you were 15 years old. And it's going to take you a year to figure out who Jesus is again. And so I said, okay, that's literally what happened. And I quit working at the church. I quit going to church for one year. And during that year, my wife and I just would read the Bible as a family. And, you know, this book right here, you can't see it, but I'm holding my Bible up. It's just, if you actually read this book and do what it says, it's unbelievable, right? Acts 2.42 says, Those that were of the way devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, the teaching of the apostles, and to prayer. And Janet was just like, what if that was church? What if we actually ate a meal together, read the Bible together, and everybody that comes gets prayed for every time? by name. Jesus said, my house will be a house of prayer. So literally everybody that walks in the door of any one of our houses is going to get prayed for before they leave. First Corinthians 14. Here's, here's one for you and for you listeners. First Corinthians 14 says this, when you gather together, brothers, everyone should bring a word, a teaching, a prophecy, a tongue, or a song. Right? It says it in there, but we're like, okay, we're going to keep all the other things, but we're not going to keep that one. It says when you gather together, that's the church. When you gather together, everyone's supposed to be able to bring a word from God, to be able to read the scripture together and ask, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you, right? Or a song, you know, instead of just the the professional guy up there leading worship. Like, it's super awkward. But to go in a group of people, hey, does anybody got a song you want to lead? You know, and and just let, I don't know. I, sorry, I could talk about this forever. I'm so fired up about it. And, you know, like I said, we, our goal is, our goal, uh, that's in air quotes. Our goal is about 20 adults in a house and then multiply every year. So we're on we're on year four. So we have eight churches, right? Multiplication's a crazy thing for those of you that like math, you know this, but mm. we started with one. Year two, you have two. Year three, you have four. Year four, you have eight. So next year we should have sixteen. Wow. Check this out. Thirty two, sixty four, one twenty eight, five twenty six, one thousand twenty four in the next seven years is what we're like our ga- our goal is 
keeping it small where, where you can know people in the room, you can pray for people in the room, you can have community, you can eat a meal together. So our motto is to grow smaller. We just want to keep growing smaller. And sorry, y'all can edit any of this out that you don't want to, I get fired up about it. Um, Nobody at our church gets paid. Everybody's bivocational. So every bit of the money that's given, we get to give away. So, you know, it says in Acts, there was no need among them. Think about that. Like, if there's no overhead, again, just remind you of my earlier disclaimer, God uses it all. It's fine. If you get paid, Paul says not to muzzle the ox while it's threshing. I know you can make a living off the gospel. I'm just saying what we're choosing to do is to give all the money away and take care of needs in the community. And we're actually seeing the gospel come alive in our little section of Austin, Texas. I love that. And that's King's Porch. I also love the name. Where did that come from? Well, I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) So during that year where Janet and I were just reading the Bible together, um, three times in the New Testament, it talks about Solomon's portico. And she was like, what is that? And I was like, I don't know. You know, the first miracle in Acts chapter three, the first miracle that Peter does is the, the, you know, when he and John are walking up to the temple at the hour of prayer and it says there's a man lame from birth that they carried and they set at the gate of the, uh, at the gate of the temple, the beautiful gate, they would lay him there every day and he would ask for money. Right. That right there is a sermon in and of itself. This guy can't walk and he's at the gate of the temple every day and he's asking for money. Right. Why is he asking for money? Here's the deeper answer. He's asking for money because he doesn't believe the thing that he really needs is even possible. What he needs is healing. But when you give up on that, you start asking for something else, right? So that's the famous story where Peter and John are walking up there. And remember in Matthew 16, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, right? This is the first time Jesus has, has gone back to heaven. They're walking up to the temple. Dude asks for money. And Peter looks at him. And like in my mind, I hear John going, just try it, man. Just try it. Jesus said we could do it, right? So Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And dude got up, right? And it says that everybody got am- like was amazed, and they all gathered together in Solomon's portico. Right? Like, what in the world is that? When I got to it in my Bible, there was a little star there, and outside beside Solomon's part- portico, it said the king's porch. Mm-hmm. And Janet and I just started talking like, this is what we want church to be. We want people that devote themselves to the breaking of the bread, the teaching of the apostles and the prayer. But something outside the walls of the temple. Solomon's portico was literally the porch outside the temple. These dudes still want a community, right? But they're following Jesus now. So when you go in the temple, what you're preaching is heresy. So they would just gather together outside on the porch 
for community. So she was just like a community of people outside the walls of the church that still believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, still believe that there's power in speaking the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And so I was like, yeah, let's do it. So we just started calling our our meeting King's Porch because we literally meet on the porch and we're like, let's pray. Let's let's still be let's still be bold enough to believe that when we speak the name of Jesus, that people can get out of wheelchairs. So that I mean, we're whatever. We're conservative charismatics is what we are. <laughs> <laughs> And King's Porch is just so welcoming when you think of it. I love it. Uh, you guys have recently released a new EP, God is in this house. And I love mm-hmm. it because it's not your typical worship album. It is, I want to say it's more intimate. It's, I don't know. Yeah. It's been pared down a bit. It's a lot more, it's like a house church. It's intimate. It's You're right in there. Yeah. So again, here's my disclaimer. God is good. He uses all of it, right? In fact, what I do every day, I'm a songwriter, right? I pastor a church for free, but I'm a songwriter for a living. I love huge anthemic worship songs. I write them all the time. I believe in it. But when you consider the fact that 90% of churches in North America are less than 300 people, Mm -hmm. right? But yet I'm a part of an industry and I've been a part of an industry for 23 23 years that makes a product that only 10% of the churches in, in, in North America can pull off. Right? That That's on me. I'm part of that. And so, and like I said, I love big worship songs, but it's... You can't pull off Hillsong like with everything on my back porch with an acoustic guitar. You know, when you have 20 people going, oh, oh, oh it, it, it just doesn't work, right? You need big drums. You need electric guitar to, to pull that off. So we just, what was in my heart as a songwriter is I just want to write simple songs that we can do on my back porch. And that's replicable as these houses go out. They don't need to be tricky. They need to be, you know, dude that's just learning how to play acoustic with a capo and he can play four chords. I want him to be able to play the songs, right? And it's just to, I know we're supposed to be talking about the new record and I would love to talk about the new record, but that's the song I Speak Jesus. Has that has that made it to Canada yet? I think so. Okay, yes. if if it hasn't, it's on its way. That literally started on the back porch with an acoustic guitar trying to get our people to sing, to speak the name of Jesus over people, right? It's just like a simple song that we can sing, I Speak Jesus. And so that song's been crazy to see it go around the world because that's not the goal. The goal is for our house. So, yes, I would like to now talk about what you want to talk about. The, <laughs> the, the new record is called God is in this house. Um, the See, I, I, I just want you to know, I love talking about the Bible and I love talking about the church as much or more than I like to talk about music. So let's talk about the music. Um, God is in this house was a song that works so well 
in our living rooms. Like literally it says in the bridge, you know, let fear give way to freedom. Let hurt give way to healing. Standing here on holy ground, anything can happen now because God is in this house. And it's amazing to sing that in a group of people, right? But I wrote that song with some friends of mine and Drew Bodine, who is the worship pastor at Central Life Church in Las Vegas, which is the mega church of mega churches. I mean, they're in Vegas for crying out loud. You know, if if you want your drummer to be able to spin upside down and catch on fire next <laughs> week, they can make that happen because all those people go to their church. I mean, thousands and thousands of people production like you've never seen lasers i'm just like what in the world and drew asked if i would come out to and just invited me to be part of their one of their worship nights and i stood at front of house with five thousand people in a room and those people saying god is in this house and i wept like a child standing at front of house like just overwhelmed at the goodness of God and also just confessing my sin and my arrogance to Jesus, just going, God, like, forgive me for being arrogant about a house church. Does that make sense? Like Mm -hmm. the enemy's so crafty that even the smallest thing you're doing for God, he'll, he'll let you, He'll let pride get in there. He'll cause pride to get in there. And and you start thinking that ah, we're we're doing it better than everybody else. And I'm so convicted by that. And so God is in this house is a perfect example for me that when we sing it in our living room, God is in this house. It's true. And when you're in a mega church with 5000 people and you sing God is in this house, it's true. And let's take it one more. The New Testament says that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you're, if you're a follower of Christ and you're in your car by yourself and you're singing God is in this house over your body, it's true. So you in your car can sing, let fear give way to freedom. Let hurt give way to healing. Standing here on holy ground, right? If the spirit of the Lord is in you, where you're walking is holy ground. So anything is possible in any situation because God is in this house. So told you I can get fired up about anything. What else you want to talk about? Yeah, no, that's so good. Uh, we seriously, we would love to talk for longer, but we got to wrap it up. I will say I have just downloaded the album. I'm going to be bringing it to my house church for sure. But if people are listening and they want to, uh, get in touch with this music or with King's Porch or whatever it is, how can they do so? Uh, I, th- I think we have a website. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, kingsporch.com explains like the vision of our church, which I just kind of did that. But we're on all the things. We're on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. I don't know how that happens. The mystical, magical fairies of music land put it out there on things. And so that's where it is. And I just would say yes play God is in this house another song if I could just real quick tell you that I love on there is called Faithful Still the bridge just says I have a hope I have a future I'm a child of the mountain mover 
it says it on the record four times, but when we play it at house church, we'll, we'll say that for like 20 minutes. And, and what I love about that is kids. We keep our kids with us, you know, and our kids will yell that at the top of their lungs. I'm a child of the mountain mover. And it just, it just makes you so happy. You want to run around the yard, you know, I don't know. Ladies, it was was great talking to you. Thanks for taking the time. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Remember, if you want to hear this full conversation again, you could do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.